Welcome to the Korea Pro podcast. I'm your host, Chung Min Kim, the editorial director of Korea Pro. And I'm John Lee, the editor of Korea Pro. Join us for our weekly 15 minute conversation as we dive deep into the most pressing stories shaping South Korea and dissect the most complicated ones for you. From politics to culture, technology to society, we've got you covered. We'll bring you insights, analysis, and expert perspectives to keep you informed and in the loop so that you can stay ahead of the curve and never be sidelined again. So get ready for a fresh perspective in South Korea's news. This is a Korea Pro podcast. All right, let's get started. Let's talk about the satellite launches, plural, first. What was the first one? The first one came on uh, December 2nd, Korea time, December 1st in the U.S., when uh, SpaceX helped to launch uh, South Korea's first ever indigenous um, military reconnaissance satellite into orbit. And that was quite fascinating, really, because... uh, South Korea has had always had access to military reconnaissance images in the past, but they, uh, South Korea always had to rely on the U.S. for its GPS satellite system. Right, and the early warning uh, system, it's also from the U.S., even the ones that they recently agreed to share was the U.S. satellite ones. Exactly, but now that it's got its own indigenous satellite, and it's just the first one, there are five more launches that are planned. But as South Korea launches more of its satellites, it can rely less on the U.S. for its intelligence. Right, and it came in a very interesting timing, especially considering how North Korea succeeded in its uh, satellite launch after two failed ones and after going to Russia to maybe get some heads up on what kind of things that they are missing out on. Exactly. Right, but their third one was a success, and a few days later that was the, there was the California launch. That is true, yes. Back to back. Back to back, and it's like a space arms race sort of thing going on between the peninsula, and many of our experts actually pointed to how both sides having satellites, it's maybe a good thing because they have better awareness of what's actually going on aside from the statements coming out of the military. Sure. What we really want to do is try to eliminate as much of the fog of war as possible. Mm. But now that both sides can see what the other is doing, uh, it really takes away that shock value out of the equation. Mm. It will change the military readiness and the calculation a little bit, which we can go into uh, later. But what was the second launch? The second launch was a completely civilian uh, affair. But what's interesting is that although it was a civilian rocket, they also uh, added a satellite onto the warhead. Now, that was quite unusual. Hanwas, right? Yes, it was Hanwas. Uh, now, this satellite doesn't have the same kind of military capabilities that the ones that were launched from uh, the SpaceX uh, rocket. But still, uh, I, I forget what the exact term is, but with this uh, new satellite, they will be able to see into wherever they need to, regardless of whether it is nighttime or daytime or whether the weather's too cloudy. Mm. So that's quite another significant achievement. It was a good strategy for South Korea to go for a civilian slash government because there was agency of uh, defense development that provided the technology side of the solid fuel propellant rocket um, and the orbit entry technology. So it was partly government, but the manufacturing itself came from the civilian sector, private sector, to be more precise. And it was a good strategy to do it back to back after the California Um, SpaceX launch because right afterwards for a few days there media started talking about how there's a lack of um, delivery uh, system uh, technology for South Korea and then South Korea is like look we have a rocket too. 
Exactly. Now, it wouldn't be the South Korean psyche if we did not mention the need to domestic uh, to domestically produce as much as things as possible. The self-autonomous defense sort of thing. Sure. Uh, now, whether or not that's actually something that's really necessary or whether it is cost-effective is a different matter. But what South Korea has shown is that it's not just the government, but, but the private sector can also keep up with the government. For the readers who are just not aware of, why was it SpaceX rocket? Well, SpaceX has been uh, launching their reusable rockets for a long time. This is the Falcon 9. And the Mm. Falcon 9, uh, some people might have already seen these videos online where the rockets would go up and they can come back right down. Mm. And because uh, SpaceX has already invested so heavily into this technology, it's just so much more cost-effective to go to SpaceX for these launches as opposed to South Korea trying to develop their own technology from scratch. Right, and when it comes to defense system, it's not just about the capabilities, but also the cost-effectiveness. It does not just only apply to the space technology or space capabilities, reconnaissance, but also it applies to missile manufacturing in South Korea, especially if you want to mass produce and export. Uh, That is the thing that not a lot of people are talking about, Mm. which you just mentioned. Uh, Yes, this was a solid fuel rocket that helped to launch a satellite into orbit. But these solid fuel rockets, do you remember, was something that was negotiated between uh, the former president, Moon Jae-in, and Joe Biden in Mm. 2021. And this technology can very easily be turned into an offensive missile as Mm. opposed to a space-bound rocket. And so, yeah, uh, this also adds to South Korea's arsenal. Not to mention that it comes after U.S. lifting the missile restriction on South Korea's homegrown rockets. Yeah, that was in 2021. And finally, it's maybe showing a bit of achievement or or, or um, progress on the South Korean side of that. We had a very interesting uh, feature analysis from Ankit Panda, who's also NK Pro contributor. Can you walk our readers through what the main argument was? Well, Ankit was saying that with this new uh, ISR technology, uh, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, mm-hmm. uh, this will also help in a lot of ways to help South Korea aim their weapons. Mm-hmm. Now, South Korea has talked for a long time about all of these uh, ballistic missiles and cruise missiles that they have, but without ISR capability, these missiles might not be all that accurate. Because they're blind missiles. Kind of, sort of. But at the same time, uh, the ISR technology, it's not going to be the miracle cure for everything. Mm -hmm. Yes, it will help South Korea to observe and would be able to surveil North Korea more closely. But at the same time, Ankit was saying that this is not something that um, would... Uh, revolutionize South Korea's uh, defense systems. What about the remaining satellites that South Korea plans to launch? Will they change anything significantly? Well, with additional satellites, yes. uh, As the satellites orbit around the planet, with more satellites, they will be able to get more consistent uh, images. But will these images be real-time or even near real-time? That's probably not going to happen anytime in the near future just yet. Just curious, is there any application of these military reconnaissance and civilian satellites aside from monitoring just North Korea? Besides North Korea, there's always going to be weather patterns that we need to look out for. Mm. Uh, typhoons, as because of global warming, as um, weather patterns change and as they get more extreme, yes, South Korea will need to look at what's going on in, uh, around the seas. And, uh, of course, with these kind of new technologies, we'd be also be able to monitor what kind of ships are going for back and forth. Again, this might have some military connotations to it, but there are different uh, applications. Let me just put it out there. I Candling my inner progressives in South Korea, I guess, wouldn't China hate this? Of course, well, China would hate this. Uh, in fact, China w- almost guaranteed that rocket launches... Oh, yeah. Space uh, launch vehicles. Space launch vehicles, yes. The 
China uh, did observe these, and they are most likely quite annoyed with this because as South Korea is able to increase its surveillance technology, now if a war were to happen, say, somewhere in the Taiwan Strait, and China's quite concerned, would South Korea back the U.S.? Would it stay neutral? But it does back the U.S. How would it be able to use its technology to help the U.S., to augment U.S. forces in the region? Well, speaking of China, let's move on to the second topic I did want to bring up. It's Yuria. Yes. You wrote an executive briefing about that. Was it yesterday? It was yesterday. Can you brief us a little bit what's going on there? Well, right now, because of, according to this uh, Chinese website that uh, focuses on their urea exports, uh, China seems to be having um, supply issues, and most of it is because of uh, rising energy prices, at mm. least according to what the publication was saying. And because of the possible rising costs in coal, which mm. is a very vital part in the production of urea, uh, the Chinese government is most likely going to start to uh, limit or restrict the exports and this is going and this is a deja vu all over again for South Korea this happened in 2021 and is happening again and for those of you who are not familiar urea is a very important component that's used for uh, agriculture and it's also used for um, reducing emissions from vehicles who are some of the main exporters in the world well, I'm not sure who the main exporters in the world are, but South Korea's uh, imports of urea are mostly from China. Mm. Now, there was a time when South Korea produced its own urea, but the Chinese, well, no one can compete with them with scale. And so when the Chinese were able to uh, export their ure- uh, urea products to South Korea at a much cheaper price, well, South Korean producers just went out of business. Mm, that's considerably significant um, leverage that China can use, especially when it comes to regional economic supply chain blocks going on here. Well, unfortunately for South Korea, urea is not the only uh, element uh, or material that China can use to squeeze South Korea. What are some of the other things? Well, graphite is another one, and Mm -hmm. that's what we talked about some time ago, uh, because uh, graphite is another uh, key component that's necessary for semiconductor production. Mm -hmm. Which is one of the biggest sector right now South Korea is pushing for. Exactly. Now, this is bigger than when um, there was fear that China might uh, limit the exports of lithium. Mm. Lithium can be found in other countries as well. But graphite, that's something that uh, China has a near monopoly on. Mm. Unlock the full Career Pro experience by joining our community and taking advantage of our Black Friday deal and friend referral program. Stay informed, stay ahead, and never miss a beat in Korean affairs that matter. Subscribe today and transform the way you understand Korea. Right, week ahead. I guess in South Korean domestic politics, a lot of headlines right now are focused on the cabinet reshuffle. Can you brief us a little bit? Well, it's that time of the year or that time in every two years when there are elections. Right. And now there are a lot of senior ministers in the unit administration who want to no longer serve as ministers and go back to their uh, old jobs in the National Assembly. When it comes to the timeline, it's more like a month ahead rather than months ahead than week ahead. But uh, when it comes to... Uh, resigning from a current post for the serving ministers and officials, they have to resign by January 11th. So time is ticking. They only have maybe a month or so. Give or take. Right. And we saw six ministers being replaced so far. And the formal registration for the advance um, candidacy for the election starts, I think, in February. Yes, it does. And uh, no, it actually starts soon and ends in February. And then in March, it's the formal registration for the final list. Ah, my mistake. (laughs) And what's interesting, I guess, for the business community to look out for are the change of counterparts, especially in the state-led trade sectors. So I guess the most important people are Park Jin, the foreign minister, 
um, number two salesman, I guess, because Yoon considers himself number one salesman. Uh, defense minister already reshuffled, and there's industry minister. Industries minister has not been reshuffled yet, but I saw a few exclusives last night that he might be considered to be replaced, but he's new. He's only three months in. Yeah, um, this is quite unusual for a minister to only be serving for just three months and then exactly. to be replaced. So was there something else going on behind the scenes? Right, maybe. And also, which which sort of means for a business community who used to have counterparts in the industries ministry, it wouldn't really affect you that much because, first of all, it's not he hasn't been there for a while. And I heard also that the successor might be Andokun, the trade minister. Yes, and, and he's been there for a while. Exactly, and he went to all these countries when Yoon was still pushing for the failed Busan Expo, now failed Busan Expo, and he was one of the people who led the working level talks when it comes to arms exports, semiconductor, right. so on and so, nuclear exports, nuclear reactor exports, and construction uh, trades uh, with Middle Eastern countries and European countries. So it wouldn't really change that much. But Park Jin could be interesting for the diplomatic community. It would be. He's been there since day one. Mm. But uh, now that he's being replaced, and I'm not quite sure if they've... Uh, it's, uh, not, it's not confirmed yet by the presidential office, but there are multiple, multiple leaks for the past seven days that he is considered to be... He, uh, that initially he was considering just staying, but because of the failed Busan Expo, someone has to take responsibility and it might be Park Jin. But is he being held responsible? But that's interesting, right? If you take someone responsible like Park Jin and then make him resign and make him run for PPP election, it doesn't really look quite well. Like, what will he put on the poster? Exactly. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And Park Jin is one of the few people in the administration who's been looked at favorably by almost everyone. Mm. Uh, even though... The foreign the, counterparts, you mean? By the foreign counterparts. Sure. The opposition party has called for his resignation as the past, but they've been calling for everyone to resign in the exactly. past. Exactly. So that doesn't really matter all that much. Right, and another interesting person to look out for would be Cho Taeyong, who used to be the South Korean uh, ambassador to the U.S., who was sort of summoned all of a sudden when Kim Sung-han, who used to be the national security advisor, Jake Sullivan's counterpart, resigned right before the state visit, and Cho Taeyong was sort of dragged into the national security office to be the advisor. Blackpink. <laughs> Well, um, reportedly. John. Reportedly. Uh, Allegedly. And, yeah, but interesting was Cho Taehyung was never, almost never on the press briefings, but the Kim, but Kim Taehyung was his deputy. Right. He's not being reshuffled, it seems. No, and it doesn't seem like Kim Taehyung is going anywhere. Uh, he's always been a very uh, fixed sort of figure mm. in the government. But because there's not been any sort of issues to really... Uh, stick Cho Taeyong with anything to any sort of real scandal, it doesn't seem like either of those two men are going anywhere. Right, but, but Cho Taeyong, I heard, uh, I read in some of the exclusives just today that he might be considered for the chief of the intelligence agency job. Which is an interesting pick. Is that is that a fit? Uh, he was an ambassador, and he has a lot of connections with his foreign counterparts. And, and also he used to be a party lawmaker. Right, and so... I was always under the impression that if anyone is going to replace Park Jin, it would be him. Yeah, but me too. Me for too. him to go to the NIS. There are a few names that, that are being mentioned in South Korean uh, media stories, which are usually right when it comes to replacement. They have the good sources. Uh, it seems like the former UN ambassador or a few professors who were in the 1.5 track talks with the diplomatic community might be considered like Lee Jong-min, Professor Lee Jong-min. Uh, but it's so far, it's not clear. You will probably see news about this in the next week. And diplomatic engagement. State visit. Ah, yes, uh, to the Netherlands. Mm. It's finally happening. But is that important? Um, it is definitely important in the sense that they will talk about semiconductors. Mm. Now, why, why, why is that? 
both South Korea and the Netherlands are, are pretty much powerhouses when it comes to semiconductor production. And so, yes, uh, both countries will need to talk about how to coordinate their productions to improve uh, supply chains. And especially with the U.S. being very, uh, shall we say, um, nervous about certain kinds of uh, semiconductor exports to China, mm. all of these other countries need to cooperate. But how much cooperation there will be with the president going? The president's not a semiconductor expert. He's just there to... Also, he's meeting... It, it's mainly the invitation from the king. Yes, it is. And so, yes, it's a state visit. It's going to be quite ceremonial. Yes, they will mention semiconductors. But will it have a lot of substance, that's for the lower-level diplomats to take care right, of. Right, and also we will have to keep an eye on and then we will try to brief you if there's anything new in the week ahead, email on Monday, um, whether any business leaders will be joining them. We don't have the list yet, right? We do not, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the, the usual suspects will be there. I'm pretty sure they're also really tired from accompanying a South Korean official for the Busan Expo bid for the past few months, but still. Yes, but when the boss calls, you answer. You're right. Um, and also, Yifang Bremer on NK News site, he's from Netherlands. He mentioned that it's actually a very bad timing for Yoon to go to ne the Netherlands to get anything tangible to come out of the meeting because they're between elections, apparently. Uh, yeah, they're between elections and... Um Ifang's heart uh, is breaking over uh, who the next prime minister might be in the mm. Netherlands. Uh, but whether or not that will actually have any real impact on South Korea's relations with that country, uh, it's doubtful. Finally, next week, we will probably see, hopefully we will see the conclusion of the budget negotiation for the next year for the administration. But deadline already passed. The deadline has passed and there's for not a whole... For three years in a row. For three years in a row. And there's not a whole lot of... Uh, love lost between the two major parties. <laughs> uh, the president and the ruling party had said that they're going to seek the um, cooperation of the opposition Democratic Party to pass their budget. But uh, Hong Ikpyo, who is the floor leader of the mm -hmm. Democratic Party, said that uh, we don't want to cooperate with them. And if uh, they don't agree with our policies, we are going to push forward with our own budget plan. And mm. so it's going to be a whole lot of drama. Not to mention that both parties, both major parties are going through internal conflict and conflict fusions in Johan of the Innovation Committee, is it? Um, it seems that that committee is ending very, very soon, just after months. It just ended with quite the fizzle, didn't it? He yeah. started out with uh, all of this rhetoric about how he's going to innovate, as his, uh, as his office's name suggests. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's so, only so much that a person can do with the power structure that already exists. Right, and talking of innovation, maybe it's just su superficial, but now finally the candidacy for the minister role for the administration, half of them are women. Oh, finally. Mm. Better late than never, I suppose. Right. We'll have to keep an eye on our confirmation hearing. And we recently wrote uh, an interesting, uh, Hyun Jun-yo wrote an interesting story about how confirmation hearings usually go. And we, it will be published next week. Yes, it will be. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. If you want to know more, sign up for our daily executive briefings that will give you all the most important news of the day in a succinct manner in your inboxes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for your weekly dose of insight. And until next time, I'm Jungmin Kim. And I'm John Lee. Stay connected, stay informed, and we'll see you next week on the Korea Pro Podcast. Bye.